Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 20th day of May, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and let's begin our look back at a week where primarily the major news was lies that we've known for quite a while were lies, but now, even though the waste stream is still lying about it, more and more people are starting to see through it. And because, again, there are so many of them, our review will start more or less chronologically with the understanding, especially in hindsight, that these were intended to kill people and utterly destroy nations, which, as is more and more obvious, was the real intent all along. And again, I find it kind of encouraging that this headline comes from the UK's left-leaning Daily Mail as well, which again seems to suggest the truth is busting out all over. I'm going to add just one or two words to the headline here. Traitorous ex-CIA chief... John Brennan has admitted that what they call the Dirty 51 letter was, in fact, political. Yeah, it begins. The former CIA director, Brennan, has admitted that infamous letter signed by 51 former so-called intelligence officials. And they lied, folks. And the Daily Mail even says that here. Claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russia, Russia, Russian disinformation was, quote, political. And the Obama regime's director of so-called intelligence made the admission during his four-hour uh-huh, testimony to the House Judiciary Committee investigators behind closed doors last week, reported Fox News. This comes as the other high-profile known perjurer, former director of national intelligence James Clapper, is expected to give his own test of lies on Wednesday, May 17th. And the piece helpfully reminds us both Brennan and Clapper signed that traitorous letter by former intelligence officials who falsely claimed that Hunter Biden's laptop from hell had, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russia, Russia, Russian information operation. Yep, they lied. They were willing to be accessories to fraud in furtherance of election theft. Then, of course, as we now know, literally treason. One of the emails seen by the New York Post shows one of the ringleaders here, former CIA director and scumbag Mike Morell, asking Brennan to add his name to the signatories on that piece of you-know-what, whereupon Brennan emails back that it was his intention to sign it. The story later says he had an editorial change that he wanted to make, though, quote, I have one editorial suggestion for the letter. I think it would strengthen the verbiage, yeah, the propaganda effect here, if you say this has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Soviet-slash-Russian information operation, unquote, rather than just the feel of one. And the letter was published, the Daily Mail notes, by Politico first, just five days after the actual journalist at the New York Post reported on the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. And this is telling as well. On October 19th, 2020, just a couple of weeks before the rigged election and immediately before the presidential debate, Morell allegedly sent the CIA the final version of the propaganda letter to the pre-publication classification review, as it's called, and labeled it a rush job so that it could be approved ASAP. And now it's really clear why. There are some other things here that regular listeners know, and those who get their news from CNN, the WAP, or the New York Times will probably never hear. Like, all of this happened after Morell admitted to the House Judiciary Committee last month that he was asked by none other than current Secretary of State in the regime, Anthony Blinken, who was at the time a senior member of Biden's campaign, to coordinate the letter. 
As you may recall, the wannabe Biden Fuhrer was also careful, and I'm sure his handlers helped him on this score, to use that letter during the October 22 debate, hey, just three days later, against Donald Trump, saying he thought that the reporting around his son's abandoned computer was, well, hey, let's just hear it from the horse's um, um, mouth. I have to respond to that. Please. Because look, Very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Oh, yeah. And then he said this, too. Listen and laugh. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. Well, now just about everybody who's not senile believes it. And those they not only were lied to, but they're still being lied to besides. Morell was thanked for his work in coordinating the letter, along with Steve Reschetti, chairman of the Biden campaign, who telephoned him right after that to say thank you. And at the time, he was then noted to be in consideration for the role of permanent CIA director. Really makes you wonder what they got on William Burns, doesn't it? The lying Anthony Blinken two weeks ago said he's not behind that infamous letter, insisting he, quote, doesn't do politics. No, folks, that might even be true. He, in fact, does insurrection. When asked by Fox News if he accepted the legitimacy of the laptop, now that it's been proved beyond a reasonable doubt by just about every reputable news organization on the planet, the Biden regime official said, quote, I'm not engaging in politics. I've got a lot on my agenda. And that, folks, is undoubtedly true as well. There's a revolution to consolidate, a country to overthrow, and an invasion to coordinate. Finally, concludes the Daily Mail, the director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, under the Trump administration, said at the time that the Hunter Biden laptop was, quote, not part of a Russian disinformation campaign, and that he'd made that clear to the FBI for all the good that it did, and the larger intelligence community. The Republican report, continues the Daily Mail, also detailed how the CIA coordinated with the Biden campaign to shop that letter around and gain press coverage, to which all your hosts can add is, yeah, I guess it's really helpful to own them or be public-private fascist partners with them. Oh, yeah, and the socialist media, too. And we've got more on that, literally, in just a second. Quoting that House Republican report, the Daily Mail says that the Biden campaign took, quote, active measures to discredit the allegations about Hunter Biden by exploiting the national security credentials of former intelligence officials, unquote. And as we've seen since, they're willing to lie about so-called confidential human sources, and maybe we even know who they are, to continue that ruse. Let's put a bit of icing on that cake with a quick Elon Musk bombshell that dropped over the weekend. Late Friday, Musk announced that he was excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. And NBC confirmed it by admitting she was going to be departing as their head of advertising. But it didn't take too long for the New World Order dirt to come out of the closet. Shortly after the Wall Street Journal revealed the identity of Musk's new female CEO... Paul Joseph Watson pointed out that the hiring of Yaccarina to head the socialist media network, which in recent months has become the bane of liberals and progressives, by actually, at least for now, allowing free speech, not for everybody, mind you, but for some anyway, could be a problem. For one, Yaccarina was, quote, chairman of the WEF's task force on the future of work, and she sits on the World Economic Forum's Media Entertainment und Culture Industry Governors Steering Committee. And in January 2020, she delivered a speech entitled World Economic Forum, Creating the Workplace of the Future by, oh yeah, got to love this, focusing on people. And it sounds like she's talking with laser sights. (laughs) 
And if you realize a bit more of her background, that makes perfect sense. In 2021 to 2022, she was chairman of the Ad Council and the board of directors who noted Yaccarino partnered with the business community, the White Whorehouse, they didn't spell it right, and various government agencies to create, are you sitting down, a COVID-19 vaccination campaign featuring none other than Pope Satan and reaching over 200 million Americans to inject themselves with the Zyklon B. So, yep, looks like her credentials are downright impeccable. And would you believe that, at least for a while, over the weekend, R.I.P. Twitter was one of the major twending hashtags. But as of Monday morning, there's even a bit more. Carl Denninger came out and noted that Elon Musk doesn't seem to be nearly as adamant about defending free speech as the propaganda might have you believe. I posted the following, said Denninger, about his new CEO in response to the New York Post asking, Who is this chick? To which he tweeted in response, a WEF lackey and jab-happy mastermind who in fact conned two-thirds of this nation on purpose into taking said jabs under false pretense. She deserved the gallows, but then again, Musk has billions of reasons not to care about the people in this country and indeed worldwide. Which, reported Carl Denninger, drew me an instant 12-hour suspension from none other than the new open Twitter for harassment. Because doesn't this sound familiar? What Twitter called harassment and abusive behavior, says Denninger, now amounts to factually stating that she is indeed a WEF lackey. After all, she just spoke there. And that, in fact, while at NBC Universal, her last major project, she did indeed work to advertise and promote the poison pokes, which we now know were, in fact, based on the lie that you wouldn't, couldn't get COVID if you took them. You might, though, get sterile or die from all kinds of other really nasty stuff or be permanently disabled. But, hey, what's a lie like that when there's trillions on the table? And as Carl Denninger concluded, let's be clear, folks, it's considered abusive by Twitter to state two truths about a public figure and and call for them to be punished as a direct consequence of the harms that occurred to others due to their own personal and willful actions, which they took for the purpose of profit, whether professional, monetary, political, or uh, otherwise. Hmm, maybe all is not quite what we're being propagandized to believe. Other WEF lackeys and New World Order traders, too, are starting to, uh, well, be revealed for what they are. This one comes from Infowars.com and CNN, of all places, where GOP Congressman Mark Green, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, appeared on CNN's State of the Union to discuss the, are you sitting down, 83,000 illegal border invasions just last week alone and blasted the so-called Secretary Octung of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, for blatantly lying about the insecurity, he called it the security of the border, and violating the law to boot. As literally, day by day, new record numbers of illegals cross the border to commit invasion. Said Representative Green, responding to Mayorkas' lie that the numbers have actually dropped, they only drop, folks, if you refuse to count them, Green noted that, quote, what the secretary failed to say is that this week has seen more crossings than at any time, any week in our history. Yeah, there was some anticipation, so people started coming across at higher numbers, in fact, record-breaking numbers, during the first part of the week. But in the latter part of the week, a judge ruled that they just can't do their plan of releasing people without a court date. And yeah, folks, as you might expect, since then there have been other stories saying now they're getting court dates, they're four, five, maybe ten or twelve years out in the future. Back to the quote here. 
which Secretary Mayorkas had said on the news was a bad idea. But court ruling said he can't do that. The drug cartels have responded, and the numbers fell off for a couple of days, explained Green. But then he admitted just moments ago that they can't predict the peak, said the congressman, adding that, quote, CBP has said 40% increase is expected now with Title 42 gone. And he laid out the stark numbers, urging that's another 9 million people, 9 million invaders, folks, in just two years. I mean, they've already let in over 5 million, he said, and one and a half million gotaways as they've tried to ahem, manage border security to the intent of, uh, it would seem, folks, not securing our border. Wait a minute. No, I'm not even going to say it that way. What is being done here is to encourage a literal invasion and destruction of a country. Green vowed to hold Mayorkas responsible, saying he knows, quote, for a fact that he lied to Congress under oath and added, we're going to look into his dereliction of duty, the laws he's intentionally violated and not followed. Let me be a little bit even more blunt than the Congress critter here. This scumbag should have been impeached long ago before the invasion got completely out of control. Well, no, it's not out of control. Let's just be clear here. This is what they have been working to accomplish. I'll follow that up with a quick story and a tweet I saw over the weekend, courtesy of Jim Hoft and the Gateway Pundit, and actor James Woods, who's gotten fairly blunt of late and is thus on the outs with Hollywood. As you know, says the coverage here, Title 42 ended Thursday. Border agents are expecting a rush of up to 1 million illegals in the days ahead as the Biden regime and their criminally evil Secretary of DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, have opened the borders and thrown down the welcome mat, along with all kinds of free goodies for anybody this wanted to come in and invade. This, says the piece, is an impeachable offense. And on Thursday afternoon, Speaker for the Traitors, and I'm going to use that term again now, Kevin McCarthy posted a tweet that chastened Joe Biden for opening the U.S. borders to the world, saying that the Fuhrer's, quote, policies have sent a message to the world, including the cartels, the border is open. Why, he said, is the, uh, and I'm not going to use this term, the Biden Fuhrer, who's supposed to enforce our nation's laws, yeah, sure, missing in action, more or less, unquote. And you got to love James Wood's response. He tweeted the following, either impeach him or shut up. Just stop talking for the love of God and do something, unquote. The fact that they're not and have let it get this far tells you literally everything you need to know. One more quick related story, this time from Steve Watson and Senator Josh Hawley, who came right out on Friday and said it, that the Biden regime is intending to, quote, collapse the immigration system on purpose and that they want the chaos at the border. He told Fox News host Laura Ingram, quote, I think the plan is exactly what you're seeing. They want the chaos. The plan is to try to collapse our immigration system completely, collapse the courts, collapse the asylum process, overrun the border. That's the plan. That's what they want. They want the chaos, reiterated the senator. And if you thought the fentanyl problem in this country is bad, you thought it was bad in my state, where it's the number one cause of death in the state, Missouri, for young people, just wait, because they're about to turn it on full throttle. And he added, the drugs that will come across this border, the crime that will come across this border, the danger to our families and our communities, it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen in terms of border crossings in our country's history, unquote. And you know what, folks? As hard as it is to admit this, he's still soft-peddling the problem. If you think they're just going to smuggle drugs across the border and not, what, bioweapons and even suitcase nukes or worse, you're not paying attention. This is literally an invasion, and we are going to see terror, acts of terror, and acts that are going to result in a crackdown by the very people who've let this happen 
you know it. It's called the Hegelian dialectic. And uh, in the name of securing the border, once they've let it get out of control, that is going to shock Americans and make the uh, Red Dawn movies, plural, of the past 50 years or so, look kind of tame by comparison, albeit with a very different outcome than a Hollywood ending. But maybe that's fitting now that Hollywood's owned by the Communist Chinese Party anyway. On then to World War Three and our Monday update. The Gateway Pundit reports, now that Britain has confirmed the delivery of depleted uranium or DU munitions to Ukraine, which, as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. commented on Instagram, should be banned because they partially vaporize on impact, poison the environment with uranium dust that causes cancer and horrific birth defects, we've now seen the inevitable consequence. On Saturday, during a massive air and missile raid on Ukraine, Russian forces hit an ammunition depot in Khmelnytsky, the western part of the country, causing gigantic explosions. And guess what? The criminals had stored a bunch of depleted uranium munitions there at that depot. A large bank of British tank ammunition with depleted uranium recently brought to Ukraine, along with Storm Shadow missiles, all of which were destroyed. And as a result, a huge explosion sent particles of depleted uranium dispersed throughout the territory in the Khmelnytsky region, which, like we've already seen in Yugoslavia and Iraq, will almost certainly lead to an outbreak of cancer in the medium term. And, as the Gateway Pundit reports, it didn't take long for the results of that impact to be measurable. The average gamma-ray dose rate is up about 40%. Said one of the reports, a clear spike in gamma radiation was detected in Khmelnytsky on or about May 12th, with emission continuing to rise the next day and remaining at the elevated level thereafter. Considering how little actual gamma radiation comes directly from depleted uranium, this clear spike in gamma radiation in the region indicates that there was a very large stockpile of DU munitions that was destroyed, spreading uranium dust into the air. Here's a story from the Energy Destruction Front. Last week, as you may recall, the EPA, SICK, announced new regulations intended to destroy the ability of the United States to produce electricity by basically eliminating the ability of utilities to produce electricity with clean natural gas. Even as they try to get dumbed-down Americans to think that they'll be able to charge their electric cars someday with a solar panel or maybe a bird-killing windmill or a few hundred... Well, they're simultaneously lying and working to outlaw gas stoves, so they won't be able to cook either. Well, here's the shocking Monday morning headline from Zero Hedge and Tyler Durden. U.S. natural gas drilling is now collapsing at the fastest rate since 2016. Isn't that interesting? The last time the communists were in control, doing the very same thing. And this, according to a new report from Baker Hughes Company, the U.S. natural gas sector is rapidly pulling drilling rigs from the field due to uh, what they're calling conditions of oversupply that have led to a collapse in natural gas prices over a nine-month period. And if you've been paying attention, you can guess what else just might be behind the uh, collapse in prices. And isn't it ironic, folks? You'd think that if prices of something that were this clean and this available for energy were collapsing, that would result in more, not less usage. But that would underestimate just how effective the Biden regime and the communist Chinese puppet masters pulling their strings have been at turning the truth upside down, dumbing people down, and destroying them while they literally willingly participate in their own destruction. As the week progressed, we move on now to another aspect of that. It comes from the Daily Mail out of the UK. More and more, they seem to be chronicling the decline and fall of the once-free United States. The headline says, come on in. And it shows the moment a U.S. Army soldier opens a gate on private property to let a huge horde of migrants on that private property trespass their way onto a bus. 
after which they were transported to, well, the Biden regime probably knows where, but you aren't going to be allowed to. The video, it says, was taken along the U.S.-Mexican border in <laughs> what was once the U.S.-Mexican border in Eagle Pass, Texas. Security footage, it says, taken there, showed a U.S. soldier opening a gate to let migrants in just days after the Biden Fuhrer let Title 42 expire, and I guess you'd have to say opened more floodgates. And essentially announced, even though their lips are saying one thing and their actions are saying the exact opposite, come on in, invade away. The video shared by Fox LA's Bill Malugin showed a large group crossing the Mexico side of the border into the U.S. as a large white bus appeared to be waiting for them. Meanwhile, a female U.S. Army officer stood by as the horde shuffled on and through private property Monday morning. And the officer was said to have done so at the direction of, guess what? The Chinese communist-occupied so-called federal government. Now, here, your host has to ask a question that the Daily Mail coverage doesn't seem to think is particularly important. Private property? They did at least capitalize it in the headline. But what a concept. You mean, here is some rancher on the southern border. His property is literally being trespassed by hordes of people. I doubt he knows a single one of them without his permission. Or is it a treasonous government that's overruled his private property rights? Was he asked or was he simply told, like the Nazis and other terrorists and tyrants have done throughout history, either at sword point or later gunpoint, you will allow what we will have or we will simply take that private property from you, you pee on you. Folks, that is the real issue here. And whether it was quote-unquote voluntary or voluntary at the point of a gun is... um. I guess you'd have to say a moot, since it's not even being talked about anymore, and Big Brother doesn't seem to care one way or another. You can almost hear the follow-on, can't you? Just be glad we didn't tear your gate and your whole stinking fence down. And I've got a clip demonstrating this next part. Asked by reporters just how he believes things are doing on the southern border, the Biden Fuhrer responded with an evil chuckle. Yeah, it sounds like he said things are going even better than we'd planned. But you might as well hear it for yourself. I think things are going at the border, sir. Much better than much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> By the way, I don't think the anti-Sinelli drugs are this good to me, but I could be wrong. This looked like at least one of the other Biden fewer doubles, which takes us to arguably the really big news of the week, although you certainly wouldn't know that from the Waystream media coverage. And if you have been paying attention, you realize that there really wasn't anything in the so-called Durham report that people who'd been paying attention didn't know for years now. Still, it was good to finally see it come out, more or less officially. How many times did we have to put up with the waste stream yelling, Russia, Russia, Russia? Now, even CNN is reluctantly having to admit, yeah, we lied through our damnable teeth. Although, no, they didn't actually come right out and say it that way. And that may be a good way to start the Ministry of Truth lie and cover-up revelation. Referring to CNN's pompous and prevaricating talking head, Jake Tapper, their headline says he was forced to eat humble pie and admit that John Durham's report into the flawed and biased, and that's kind of an understatement, I would say criminally evil. But anyway, the FBI does, to a degree, <laughs> yeah, like to a 120% degree, exonerate Trump. But hey, they note, that's hardly even remotely what he's always said. So let's pick this story up from, well, certainly not the beginning, but at least somewhere near the middle. I have no doubt that it's nowhere close to the end. Well, the capsule summary goes something like this. On Monday, Special Counsel John Durham finally released his final report, concluding what most of us have known for some time. The crooked, evil FBI had no 
That's capital N, capital O, as in zero, zip, nada, no verified intel, when it opened Operation Crossfire Hurricane and the so-called investigation. We now know it was nothing but a cover-up and a witch hunt, as some are properly putting it, into Trump back in 2016, according to Just the News. This was Durham's final report. The real key, though, is that there will be no arrest. I think you heard that right. They got away with it because the American people have been lied to for year after year after year, while the intel community, as we've seen demonstrated time and again, worked feverishly to overthrow a legitimate government and install the fake traitors that are still working to destroy what's left of it today and accomplish their coup against an actually elected sitting president. And here's the kicker, folks. They all knew it was a lie from the get-go. Well, as the week wore on, the meta-news about the lie and the cover-up now finally being exposed after the coup was already complete, mind you, was at least entertaining to watch play out. And we'll pick it up there when we get back from this bottom of the hour break. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. This is Mark Call, and we'll pick up the continued lies revealed in just a second. But I think this is an interesting segue and a good way to get there. Four more years, question mark, says the Daily Mail, looking at the debacle in America. The Biden Fuhrer, they say, would defeat Trump by an even bigger margin, I hope you're sitting down, than the rigged 2020 election. If the election were held today, said a new poll. Now, I gotta ask you, is anybody even remotely surprised by that? Not anything has changed. The rigged elections, the rigged polls, they're just getting worse. They got away with it. What else would you expect? Here's the story. Biden would defeat former President Donald Trump by an even bigger margin than in 2020 if the election were held today, says a new poll by the WPA Intelligence Survey. And isn't that interesting, folks? That's in spite of most Americans now recognizing they were duped. The guy is, in fact, senile. He's a criminal to boot. And he has arguably the lowest approval ratings of any president, real or fake, in American history. By far. Martin Armstrong, who has a pretty good head on his shoulders, is among those suggesting that the real number, if it's even into double digits, isn't much higher than about 10%. Which, come to think of it, folks, is about the number that were in favor of keeping the tyrant King George back in the other American Revolution. So here comes this new, we got to start greasing the skids now for whatever is coming, so-called poll, which claimed that Biden would beat Trump 47% to 40% this time around. And that's even more than the four and a half percentage points that they switched, fudged, created, and lied about in the debacle of 2020. So I would say there's two takeaways from this. One, what they're heading for. If Biden is going to beat Trump so handily, and everybody knows it was rigged anyway, why even go through the charade? Let's just declare him the winner and save everybody a whole bunch of time. And finally, there's this. A little back-of-the-envelope math that's easy to take a look at. If the guy who never got out of his basement and everybody who was paying attention knew was senile somehow still got 81 million alleged votes, more than any other real non-senile candidate ever in American history... 
between illegal aliens, dead people, and just multiples, and vote early, vote often, or just stuffed ballot boxes. Again, just the back of the envelope take, 4% of the alleged 81 million is about 3.2 million ballots anyway. So ponder that number and realize he's let in more illegals already than that. Why are we not surprised? Next, a couple of other stories that, kind of like a bad penny, keep coming back, but they do help also to set the stage. This one from Ben Sellers, Headline USA, and also Zero Hedge. LinkedIn, one of the other socialist media platforms out there, bans a journalist for even mentioning the Durham report. Under the pretense it begins of being a career-building site, Microshaft, and that's the proper pronunciation, owned LinkedIn, has flown largely below the radar, but it now may be one of the biggest, most egregious socialist media offenders in terms of practicing anti-conservative bias and censorship. And the author goes on to note that um, he, too, has been banned, seemingly for a post denouncing the New York Times and their fake news coverage, such as it was, of the much-delayed and certainly emasculated Durham report. Yes, daring to say anything about what's happened to the rule of law in the United States is obviously verboten. He received a notice from LinkedIn's so-called trust and safety team that I had violated their policies, he said, on bullying and harassment. Your comment does not comply with our policies. Und, you have been restricted. Be thankful we have not taken even harsher measures. In any event, says the author, the platform, which regularly pushes woke storylines in its own newsfeed, has a demonstrated clear double standard. But worse than that, its parent efforts to suppress criticism of the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax evoke an all too familiar scenario for conservative users. Here's one that certainly shouldn't be ignored of late. Comes via the Heartland Institute and RedState.com about the Biden Fuhrer, whom they correctly call race baiter extraordinaire. On May 13, it says, the Biden Fuhrer delivered the commencement address to an HBCU. You'll hear that term more and more. That stands for Historically Black College and University. In this case, it was thousands of graduates at Howard University and where else? The District of Criminals. Typically, says the piece, commencement speeches celebrate the achievements of the graduating class and attempt to instill a sense of hope and optimism as graduates prepare to embark on the next chapter of their lives. But not so with the Biden Fuhrer, who chose a different tack. Instead of congratulating the graduates on their years of hard work and providing any sound advice for their futures, other than, of course, you know, crime pays, Biden chose to harp on race relations, or destroying them anyway, in a craven attempt, says the story, to amplify racial resentment and exacerbate identity politics. And you've probably heard this, folks. If you haven't, rest assured you're going to hear it again and again, because this is the real dividing line that the terrorists and tyrants want to pursue and ultimately split wide open when they get their race and civil war. According to the Biden Fuhrer, quote, the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. Let's hear it from the body double's mouth. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. Yeah, forget the fact that most of you are never going to have an honest job in your lives, much less be able to own property. But I guess since you didn't learn the lesson of the Tuskegee Airmen, we're going to do it to you just like we're doing it to the rest of America, and that's poison you. No, those aren't the threats you really need to worry about. Well, as Red State and others have pointed out, the Biden Fuhrer knows this is a bald-faced lie and a pathetic display of the worst kind of racial pandering. 
There were other lies in the speech, like all the bomb threats at various HBCUs, including the place where he was standing in line to their face. But all of that says red state is par for the course for the Biden Fuhrer, who has quite a history of ginning up racial antipathy. In 2012, he told a largely black audience during a campaign speech that Republicans are, quote, going to put y'all back in chains, unquote. And let's not forget what he told the black DJ who calls himself Charlemagne the God back in 2020. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. The real problem, says the story, and by the way, your host, is the agenda of racial divisiveness. DEI, or so-called diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is just another word for communist initiatives. But they've moved on from Marx and Engels and their class warfare to racial warfare. And then there's critical race theory, a.k.a. dumbing down history in the public cesspools. And let's not forget equity and reparations and all kinds of economic idiocy that is intended to do nothing other than put a wooden stake in what's left of the U.S. economy and almighty fiat dollar. Now, folks, the biggest problem facing America 2023 is the intended and so far successful destruction of everything that was once called the American Republic. This story goes on to note that while Biden isn't the only thing destroying race relations in the United States, in all honesty, the state, though, has been trending far worse since the Biden fear absconded with the Oval Office. According to Gallup polling, which has been tracking race relations for more than two decades, the downward spiral originated during the Barack Hussein Obama presidency. In 2001, 70% of black adults and some 62% of white adults said that relations between white and black people were, quote, very or somewhat good. That has declined dramatically. In 2015, those figures plummeted to 51 and 45% respectively. As of 2021 and the first year of the Biden fear, they dropped to 33 and 43%. To be sure, the mainstream media and corporate fascist America, the public-private partnership from hell has had a big hand in the stunning deterioration in race relations over the past two decades, but it's leftist politicians and their constant focus on identity politics as the piece that are clearly the main culprits for our sad state of race relations. We've come a long way and uh, in the wrong direction from Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech where he said he dreamed of a nation where Americans are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Instead, folks, they've been adding new things to the woke wall of division, not just the color of people's skins, but how they self-describe their sexuality with their preferred pronouns. I guess you could almost say the real biggest threat to America is insanity writ large. Like, for example, can you believe it? Immediately after pandering to the black audience at that HBCU, he said, I'm not pandering just because I'm at a black HBCU, and then went on to tell one of the biggest whoppers of a career full of them. Listen to this. And I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say wherever I go. To stand up for truth over lies, lies told for power and profit. To confront the ongoing assault to subvert our elections. Suppress our right to vote. It might even be funny if it wasn't such a satanically evil, transparently insane, big Hitlerian lie. Which takes me next to this story. I guess you could call it yet another indicator of just how irredeemable this utterly corrupt system masquerading as law has become. Noticing the latest big lie about George Soros, PJ Media summarizes it as corporate media is running with the George Soros is a Holocaust survivor. Big lie. 
All of this because the champion of free speech, Elon Musk, tweeted a Casper Milktoast five-word critique of George Soros, which sent the corporate media into a full-on moral panic about anti-Semitism. After he noted that the ADL should just drop the A from their misnomer, he added, Soros reminds me of Magneto. And if you don't know the reference, he's likening the modern-day terrorist to the Marvel supervillain. Jewish, and at least in the case of the Marvel supervillain, Holocaust survivors. At this point, I think it's instructive to remind anybody who's forgotten or has been listening to the waste stream media, I guess to put it mildly, not only a traitor to his race, but to all of humanity. Here then, a bit of the famous 60 Minutes interview where that was revealed. And Soros confirmed it back in 1998. First, Soros said this. I am basically there to, uh, to make money. I cannot and do not look at the social consequences of, of what I do. Which led to this question. You're a Hungarian Jew mm-hmm. who escaped the Holocaust mm-hmm. by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. And then Soros said it was a personal experience with evil, and somehow I can't doubt that. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property yes. from the Jews. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. But hey, not this guy. Was it difficult? Uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child you don't, you don't see the connection, uh, but it, was, it created no, no problem at all. No feeling of guilt? No. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish, uh, and here I am watching these people go. I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that. Well, uh, of course, I, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, but wait for it. Here comes the Nazi excuse. We've heard it before. Uh, um, but... There was no sense that I shouldn't be there because uh, that was, uh, uh, well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. In other words, the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator, the property was being taken away. So I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Just like I have no sense of guilt at taking away your lives, your property, and everything you ever thought was yours. There is certainly a pattern here, folks. Certainly the other big Hitlerian lie being revealed comes from the John Durham report this week. And as many, many people have pointed out, and your host certainly concurs, there really is nothing whatsoever new in there. 
As a matter of fact, it's been rightfully criticized because he didn't actually even recommend any action. Like, for example, trials and execution for seditious conspiracy, or let's just call it what it ended up being, a war on the American people, a.k.a. treason. And you knew it was never going to say anything, even remotely that blunt or bold, didn't you? So let's point to just a couple of the things up front that we all knew, but that still at least bear a bit of repeating here. For example, not only was the golden showers BS precisely that, remember how Trump met with prostitutes at that Moscow hotel? Turns out he'd never even been to that Moscow hotel. But evidently, that didn't even slow down the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They had a narrative, and it was going to come to pass, and the media was going to cover it. And it's a good thing they owned them, too, isn't it? Come hell or high water. And it looks like we've ended up getting both. The Durham report identified the likely source of the BS. Furthermore, the FBI wanted to keep paying the Steele dossier source $300,000 after he was caught lying. Here's another one. The plan by Hillary Clinton to link Obama to Russia, Russia, Russia was actually briefed, as if we didn't know this, by John Brennan to Obama and Biden in August before the election 2016. And that's from Zero Hedge. Remember the Clinton Foundation? Well, unless you listen to CNN, you probably do. Which took millions in foreign donations when everyone thought that Hillary Clinton was in fact a shoe-in because she was supposed to win, don't you remember? Going into the 2016 election, trouble is the landslide was even bigger than the election riggers were able to deal with, at least back then. And what happened after she didn't win the dictatorship? Well, donations to the bogus fund plunged by 90%. Now we learn, thanks to the Durham report and Tyler Durden, that the FBI had three concurrent investigations into the Clinton Foundation, which were, uh-oh, can you imagine this, all shut down during the 2016 election year by top brass. Hey, they had a different president to make sure never managed to actually do anything to, uh, what was it the Wicked Witch called it? Turns out that the scope of Durham's review included the FBI, uh, <laughs> it's tough for me to say this, investigations directed at the crooked Hillary Clinton campaign. It seems the purpose of his review was to assess and compare the oh-so-favorable treatment received by Clinton to the targeting of the actually elected president. Which takes me next to some really salient comments by Chris Menahan from InformationLiberation.com, who writes that after four years of dragging his feet, special counsel John Durham has finally released his much-hyped and oh-so-long-awaited report on the FBI Trump-Russia-Russia-Russia probe earlier this week, which largely confirms what everybody who's been paying attention already knew. But attributes, instead of malice on the part of the FBI, the real evil that they did, along, of course, with the CIA and other so-called intelligence agencies that really did destroy the republic in these United States a long time ago, but they put a wooden stake in it recently. Well, they attributed that evil to incompetence or bias rather than what it was, treason or at least seditious conspiracy, and in the process effectively shielded the agency and all the criminals involved from any culpability for outright obvious criminal actions. My theory, says 
Menahan is that William Barr and Durham were just stringing everyone along with vague promises that the FBI or Deep State would someday, some when, maybe, just maybe be accountable for their crimes as they ran down the clock on Trump's presidency and all that seems to have now been borne out by the evidence. And two years into the Obama regime and the continued mass destruction of a once free republic. I guess you could say they've consolidated their gains. Here he turns to none other than the leftist mouthpiece, the New York Times, Charlie Savage, Glenn Thrush, and others who wrote that in its final report, the Trump era special counsel denounces the Russia investigation. And they focus on this, a quote from the report, which they say concluded that the FBI suffered from confirmation bias and a lack of analytical rigor. In other words, folks, they couldn't find their you-know-what with both hands, and that's why they were so idiotically incapable of actually finding real criminality, and instead, uh, you know what they did, good grief, as they pursued leads about Mr. Trump's alleged, and it turned out to be totally bogus, ties to Russia. Here's the money quote from the New York Times. An objective and honest assessment of these strands of information should have caused the FBI to question not only the predication for Operation Crossfire Hurricane, but also to reflect on whether the FBI was being manipulated for political or other purposes, he wrote. Unfortunately, it did not. In other words, folks, they're just so stinking incompetent that we just have to let them off of the hook for being, what, pawns of Russia, Russia, Russia? No, pawns of the communist conspiracy that has destroyed the Constitutional Republic. And it's not the fact that they're evil. It's just that they're so damn stupid. You know what? I remember an old joke at this point. There was a guy that was so drunk that his drunken friends decided, oh, no, he's too drunk to even throw in the truck at this point. Let's just let him drive. And that seems to be the summary of the Durham report. The FBI is so incompetent, so idiotically drunk, that they got no business even being part of a free republic. Let's let him drive. Writes Chris Menahan, it was the FBI that was doing the manipulation, and to portray them as innocent victims is just outright comical, or worse. Mr. Durham said he was not recommending any wholesale changes to FBI rules for politically sensitive investigations and for national security wiretaps. What a sick joke, which have already been tightened in recent years. He did recommend that the Department of Just Us consider assigning an official to internally challenge steps to take in politically sensitive investigations. In other words, when somebody's on the take and we know it, how do we keep that covered up? The report amounted in part to a defense and a justification of a lengthy investigation Investigation that, says the New York Times, developed only two criminal cases, both of which, in a crooked system, can we really be surprised, ended exactly as you knew they would, in acquittal. Technofog, though, has some of the main points from the report part of which I've excerpted below, says Menahan. Crossfire Hurricane was opened as a full investigation without the FBI having ever actually spoken to the persons who provided the information. Days after it was opened, Peter Strzok, remember that scumbag, was telling a London FBI employee that, quote, there's nothing to this, but that didn't even slow him down, now did it? Number two, internal FBI communications discussing Crossfire Hurricane during its early stages said things like, well, it's thin, and yeah, it sucks, but that didn't stop them either. British intelligence pushed back on the Mueller request for assistance, writing, quote, a British intelligence person basically said there was no effing way in hell they were going to do it, unquote. Durham documents two investigations. Durham documented those investigations sick into Hillary Clinton, and you know what happened to those. In one Clinton campaign investigation, 
the FBI Confidential Human Source, or CHS, was that Hunter? Oh, oh, that was a different criminal action. Had offered an illegal foreign contribution to the campaign through an intermediary. The Clinton campaign was okay with it and fully aware. The CHS offered the FBI a copy of the credit card charges. The FBI never got any receipts. And in fact, the handling agent for the Bureau of Instigation told CHS to, quote, stay away from all events relating to the Clinton campaign, unquote. And I'll put it this way, sounds like somebody was untouchable. How about this one? In February 2016, FBI Assistant Director, you know this name, scumbag Andrew McCabe, directed the Clinton Foundation investigation to be shut down. He walked that back after receiving pushback, but McCabe made sure that his approval was required for any further actual investigative steps, which you know darn well never really happened. How about this one? The New York field office was called on behalf of FBI Director James. I'm the head of this stinking organization, Comey, and informed to cease and desist from any Clinton Foundation investigation. And let's not forget, the FBI and DOJ restricted both of those Clinton investigations, making sure that, quote, essentially no investigative activities occurred for months leading up to the election. In comparison, the FBI opened a full investigation in fact, that they, in spite of the fact they didn't even have any evidence into the Trump campaign based on unvetted so-called intelligence. The main issue, says Menahem, all of this was put down as confirmation bias rather than what it was, a criminal conspiracy. Now, here's an interesting point that he makes. The Proud Boys were found guilty of seditious conspiracy with little or no evidence whatsoever. Isn't that amazing? But the FBI launched a political investigation into Trump's campaign to sabotage him and dig up dirt on all of his allies just so they could be thrown in prison. And all of this was just a product of confirmation bias, which got out of hand. Gee, can you smell a rat here? Literally nothing, says Menahan, will come of this report. And you know it. That is by design. So I'll close today with some very salient comments from former Congressman Devin Nunez. The Department of Justice and the FBI are solely owned by the Democratic Party and their propaganda machine. And this Durham report Mm -hmm. ought to scare the living hell out of everyone because, think about this, it's only gotten worse since this time period. Yep, it started over six years ago now. This changed the course of human history. It changed the course of our elections. Remember, we had to sit through year after year after year of this nonsense of Trump and Republicans having something to do with Russia. And here he nails it. So the Department of Justice, the FBI, congratulations, you scumbags. You have successfully poisoned the minds of millions of Americans, while at the same time you're going to have half of America, including myself, who doesn't trust anything the Department of Justice or the FBI have to say. And you shouldn't.